If 20 people come in a room, you know, simultaneously in a conference room, the base building system isn't going to be able to recirculate all that air. And we recommend that tenants consider doing something locally in their space. So two things for the tenants, check your ventilation effectiveness, and then also consider these localized solutions. Today on Further Faster, we are joined by ESD Executive Chairman Raj Gupta. ESD is a leading industrial engineering firm in Chicago, and Raj is a 36-year veteran of the organization. As the demands of the commercial world continue to evolve and mechanical systems follow suit, Raj has lived through it all. And what better time than now to highlight his expertise? Really looking forward to this episode. Good morning, Raj. How are you today? Good morning, Matt. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. We appreciate you taking the time to to speak with us. You know, the topic we're going to discuss today is actually something I've been getting pretty fired up about, you know, the last few weeks. Um certainly is um, you know, we we've 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 gone through this COVID thing and now we're seem like we're heading out of it and or at least there's some light at the end of the tunnel, but um, you know, the focus of the conversation really is going to be about, you know, HVAC and what, you know, building owners and 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 tenants can do to uh, make people feel as safe as possible as they re-enter the workforce. But there's been a lot of data. There's been a lot of articles that I've read that have, have really confused me about, you know, what are the right things that building owners should be doing or tenants should be doing to um, to make sure they're as safe as possible in their space. And uh, some of it I feel to be as far-fetched, and I, and I figured that there's no one better, you know, in the city of Chicago to talk to about this. Um other than you, why don't you just give us a little history about ESD and 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 the company? Just a, a brief overview of what you folks do for people that out there that that aren't familiar with ESD and um, and maybe how they also you know the company got started. Sure, um, ESD is a 53 year old company that's uh, based here in Chicago. We also have offices in New York and San Francisco. It was started in 1967 by my late father Hem Gupta. And we focus on the infrastructure of buildings. So designing the mechanical systems, the electrical systems, and the low voltage technology systems. So if it's in a pipe or a wire, ESD gets involved with that. And really what put us on the map, you know, in the late 60s and early 70s was working with the financial services firms. Um, the exchanges were going in Chicago options and futures were, were pretty much invented here. And so we ended up doing all of the exchanges in Chicago, which had heavy engineering requirements. And that's what really put us on the map. And today, you know, fast forward uh, 53 years later, uh, we're a 300 person company, uh, still working with a lot of the traders, all of it, most of it's gone electronic, of course, uh, but then also data centers have become a big part of our business as well as doing high performance buildings, which includes uh, focusing on indoor air quality. And, you know, the last time I actually saw you was just before we all went into lockdown and um, I was actually in your in your new space, which is absolutely fabulous um, at the Willis Tower um, in probably the most tech savvy space um, I've ever seen. Um, I think we're meeting about, you know, the Cohesion app, which I think it actually be a completely separate podcast to talk about that technology. I know we're, we're really kind of focused today on, um, you know, this HVAC issue as it relates to, you know, how viruses spread. But um, 
And you want to briefly tell us a little bit about, you know, how you uh, created your office and your new office space, because um, I think there's um, there's some really unique features about that space that make it, you know, um, you know, next generation for sure. Sure, sure. You know, one of the things that we wanted to do when we were looking for buildings was to create a living lab. You know, there's all these new things, innovative things that we're doing for our customers. And so we are testing all kinds of products in in our office, everything from in our server rooms to sound masking systems to measuring uh, carbon dioxide levels in, in our space. Um, there's a whole bunch of different things that we're doing that we call the so-called living lab. And, and it's been very exciting to, to see what works. And, you know, not everything works all the time. And, and so it, that's been uh, a big boost. I, I think it's also helped with the morale of our employees because knowing that the, that they're in one of the most fast forward offices in the, uh, in the city or maybe in the country even. And then, you know, for the folks at Willis, they're, they're, as you know, they're, they're making a lot of upgrades. And so the way we've designed the space and the way we approach our office now is our employees can work from anywhere. So we embrace the distributed workforce model way before COVID-19 came on the scene. And uh, it's been helpful because now we can attract and recruit anyone, you know, people from anywhere in the country. They don't necessarily have to check into one of our three offices. And it's, it's, it's really working well. And I look forward to sh sharing those lessons learned uh, later. And that's also maybe even another another podcast, the, the work <laughs> from home podcast. And, you know, I, I have a good friend that's a CFO of a company um, out west. And um, he was mentioning that one of the benefits that he's seeing from the work at home program is is the ability to recruit um, from, you know, different states, different markets, different areas, um, which allows him to even potentially reduce uh, operating costs in terms of salaries because he's able to hire people in maybe areas that the cost of living isn't nearly as high. Um, is, is that something that, you know, ESD will, will evaluate over time or are you still going to try to be, you know, hiring within, you know, the cities that, you know, where you, where you actually have the offices? Well, you know, some jobs that require people to be at the office every day, but for the most part, and, and what we've learned through um, everyone working at home is that most of our jobs can be done from from just about anywhere. So the biggest constraint ESD has is not finding opportunities of projects to work on, but finding qualified people. Because our business is becoming so specialized that now that we could look really globally uh, for our workforce, that gives us uh, a lot of advantages to try to, to build uh, capable staff. So we're gonna keep going with that with that distributed workforce model, um, there are some lessons learned with that. You know what? Because what what happens now is, and we're helping our companies do the same thing. Our, our clients do the same thing. Is it, all of a sudden real estate and HR and IT are all working closer together to to make that uh, work from home distributed workforce model to make whatever you want to call it to make that work. Those three groups got to work really closer together, closer than ever. Interesting. Um, all right. So let's let's get to the, the topic uh, that I really want yes. to discuss. I, I, I totally put us off on a tangent and I'm really sorry. about <laughs> that. Um, I, I got to be I got to be a little bit more organized. But um, can you get sick? Um, you know, can you get, you know, sick with covid 
from you know transmission of droplets through an HVAC system? That is the the million dollar question I'm trying to address. I even had well, you know, one of um, you know my partners, Adam Pines, you know, do a significant amount of research trying to debunk that myth. And maybe it was a little self serving, as you know, you know, Madison Rose. We represent a lot of you know older buildings and. Um, you know, our two companies, we, we do adaptive reuse of older buildings. Yes. And so obviously, you know, there's, there's that concern where I don't have buildings, um, that have, you know, you know, the state of the art HVAC systems, which, which some of the brand new buildings do. And, you know, I, I'm really trying to understand, you know, is this something that, you know, is people that people are trying to, you know, people that have an agenda that may, you know, be able to monetize, you know, um, from, from, you know, people having to invest in, you know, upgrade HVAC systems as a result of what's going on, or is this, is this really an issue that, you know, um, building owners have to take serious and really invest, you know, significant amounts of capital in their building systems. So, um, I know you, you have kind of a four part, um, system for, you know, people getting back into the office. So maybe start with that, but really want to, discuss and better understand, you know, transmission of the virus, you know, through, you know, building ventilation. Yes. And, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, there's a lot of information that's coming out and it's some, some of it's contradictory so that there's, uh, it's not, I'm not surprised that people are confused about what to do. And, you know, a lot of firms, including mine are issuing checklists of a hundred different things to do. And, and so what I've done is, you know, really broken it down into four main strategies that that are out there to prevent the spread of the virus in buildings. One is prevent sick people from coming in the building. That's strategy number one. That's not 100 percent effective. So we have to do the second thing, which is practice social distancing like Dr. Fauci prescribes. The third thing is practicing good hygiene which is wiping down services, washing our hands, et cetera, et cetera. And then the thing that we focus on the most is improving indoor air quality. And the jury is still out about, you know, how much of this virus or what percentage of the virus gets transmitted via airborne particles. But more and more data is coming out to support that that's a possibility. And the reason I'm using words like could be, possibility is because this is a new virus and they're they're as we speak they're conducting tests to see how much of this actually happens through airborne transmission now we know from past viruses or things like the common cold that um, those things can get transferred through the hvac system and so there's good reason to believe that it can happen with covid19 as well and, and so the, the, there, there's a number of different strategies uh, of, of what you can do, of what owners and occupants can do to mitigate the spread of the virus um, by improving the quality of the outside air. Would you like me to go through some of those things, some of the major things? Yeah, abs- uh, yeah absolutely. You know, especially, you know, as it relates to maybe potentially older buildings, right? I, yes. I know I think – you, we, we discussed in the past, um, um, I think 151 was a building um, that's pretty next generation in terms of the technology the building has to be able to, um, you know, tell you, you know, how much fresh air is being brought in the building, how much, um, 
is it was it oxygen you mentioned that's actually coming to the building or yes fresh was, air and, and it was a and, scientific word that i don't think I'm <laughs> well i think i was talking about carbon dioxide as well but they, uh, they there you, you go. are you are correct you know the 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 151 north franklin you know john buck development the the jobs riverside the building's riverside building you know all the class a developers have really great great systems the the older systems though however you know, have been designed uh, to bring in uh, the code amount of outside air. If 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 the listeners uh, occupy or own buildings in the city of Chicago, Chicago has a uh, uh, the code requirement for outside air is greater than the national average. So there's a lot of things that are, that that are there in an existing building. The the thing to that you want to look at in those buildings is making sure that they're operating correctly. So one of the, the main things that we say is, look, you probably have all the parts and pieces there to bring in the amount of fresh air, but have the building commissioned. Um, an HVAC system is like a car. You know, it, it needs a tune-up every year. What can happen, though, is when owners are looking at buildings, upgrading their infrastructure that no one sees is usually not at the top of the list of where they want to spend their capital. And so, you know, they may be upgrading lobbies and other things, which is understandable. But the, what they want to do is go in, test their systems, making sure they, their work is designed, because if they are if they are designed per the code, um, they can already they can do a lot of the things I'm going to suggest. Okay, so one of them is to bring in uh, more outside air ventilation into the space. And so you and I, in our private conversation, we had talked about why that is beneficial. And, and it helps because when we bring in more outside air, we're, it, it dilutes the concentration of contaminants in the space. And so th things like opening the minimum outside air dampers to, to, uh, to 100%, run the systems longer, perhaps an hour before everybody gets there and an hour before after everyone leaves, that will further dilute the amount of contaminants in the air. Another thing that can be done, again, with existing buildings, that uh, even older buildings, increase the amount of exhaust air that's going directly outside. And so restrooms are getting a lot of attention. If we bring in more outside air, we're pressurizing the building, so then we should be able to exhaust more directly in certain key areas, like the restrooms. Uh, there's been talk about upgrading filters, and so looking at the main air handling units, check to see if the filters can be upgraded to something that we call MERV 13 filters, which are um, a very high performance filter. Um, one of the things you wanna be careful of is, you know, the more efficient a filter gets, usually that's gonna increase the pressure drop of the air. So you wanna make sure that you don't compromise the performance of the system, but MERV 13 is a, is a good filter to have in your central air handling units. Then there's other and air what about cleaning. UV? Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, uh, what about UV lighting? That's another yeah. one we're, we're hearing a lot about. Yes, and so th there's a lot of talk about UV. It's been proven, you know, it's been around for 100 years, and um, that's, that's being deployed in air handling units. Um, there's another type called ionization. I mean, there's a whole list of these different types of, of air cleaners, HEPA filters. And so the the key thing is to look at 
are you going to deploy them centrally in an air handling unit or does it make sense to uh, locate these actually in the tenant space where a lot of people may be congregating like say in a conference room or in a lobby um, and, and so it's really really important to understand how the spaces are used and so you know there's factors that that impact the efficiency of these different ideas that we're just throwing out here. It, it could be the exposure time, like say to the UV lights, the velocity of the air going over the go over, going over the lights, the temperature of the air. All of these affect the efficacy of these air cleaners. And so there isn't just one drop-in solution. And and um, what's recently happened is because we have so many variables that that affect uh, the 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 efficiency of these air cleaners. Uh, there's an organization called NIST, National Institute of Standards and Technology, that has actually come out with a simulation program where you can take the specific room that you're interested in, input all of these different variables, and and you can get a a a reading on on uh, uh, the probability that your uh, filter will be successful. So I think that's what we're coming to. Is, is it, well, is that, is, that a, is that a tenant that should be looking into that as a resource or is that the building owner? Where, where, did, where have you guys seen, you know, you know, the line drawn from what is a building owner supposed to do and then what is a tenant supposed to do? Um, obviously, if yeah. it's in a tenant space, to me, it's, it's a more tenant-specific um, operation. So is that something that you would recommend the tenants to do? Is it, do they, you know, do they reach out? So let's take a step back. Is this something where a tenant would reach out to ESD and you would come in and you would, you would bring those other folks in or help me understand yes. the process. Yeah. What, so what from, a tenant from, would do to be able to. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take it from the building side first. So the building needs to make sure that they're bringing in the correct amount of outside air and that's getting delivered to the space. The building should also make sure that, as I talked about with the filters, that the filters are clean, they're working, there's no uh, air bypassing those filters because that severely derates them. So the building needs to look after its own equipment and its systems and to make sure it's functioning correctly. That's why to commission the systems is, 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 is really essential in, in our view from the building side. From the tenant side, what they need to make sure from the ventilation for the ventilation system is first of all that the air that they're being that's being distributed in their space is being distributed efficiently. Um, there's something there's a concept called ventilation effectiveness, and if you can imagine or just picture a room where you have air coming from the ceiling from a supply air grill, you also you know five feet away have a return air grill that invariably uh, there's a certain percentage of that air that just gets short-circuited and that fresh air doesn't make it down to the to the breathing space which is like four to six feet above the floor so it it under the tenant design it should be making sure that we have really good ventilation effectiveness and then also the tenants like i said before may want to consider putting in these localized solutions uh, portable air cleaners with HEPA filters or the UV lights that can go up in the corner of a room, things like that that you could put in conference rooms, reception areas, um, because it, it's 
if 20 people come in a room, you know, simultaneously in a conference room, the base building system isn't going to be able to recirculate all that air and run it through its own UV filters um, in in the air handling units. And so we recommend that tenants consider doing something locally in their space. So two things for the tenants, check your ventilation effectiveness, and then also consider these localized solutions um, for these um, high occupancy areas. And just to confirm, this is something a tenant can reach out to ESD um, oh, absolutely. You can help we're, them with. we're quite involved with it already, as you can probably imagine, and, with and, all the attention. On no, it. I, I, so, and, and is this something that's, is this, is this, is this very spendy? Does this cost a lot of money for tenants to have to do that? Or is it, I mean, to me, you're, you're using a lot of words and big words that, you know, I'm, you know, I, I don't understand, but uh, it seems, seems like it could be expensive. You know, it seems like, you know, when you start talking about UV, you know, lighting and filters. I mean, I, you know, I, I feel like that, that, that seems like it'd be something very expensive. Is, is there a way to kind of it, quantify how much roughly, you know, some kind of service like this would cost? Yeah, you know, it, it, it can. And we're actually doing some tests right now in one of Riverside's buildings with, with measuring um, carbon dioxide levels through sensors. The sensor technology is coming down, but it is still kind of expensive to do that. Uh, an example with uh, the portable, uh, air cleaner with the HEPA filters, that was coming out to be about $2,500 per room for a smaller room. But one of the things that we counsel our, our clients on is because they're getting a lot of calls of things you need to put in, um, you want to make sure that it's going to be effective if you spend all of that money. And so if you put one air cleaner in a huge room you know, with lots of volume, it's not going to do very much overall. So you really want to look at it, you know, what are the most cost-effective things you can do? And and that's why, you know, go up to the four strategies. When, when you talk about social distancing and practicing good hygiene, mixing that, combining that with bringing in lots of outside air to dilute the concentration of contaminants can go a long way. And so, um, you know, every building is different, and so there isn't one answer about what something costs with it to put it in within the space. Sure. Um, but it is kind of interesting now because in the past, no one wanted to see anything related to HVAC, um, but now they're kind of happy if they see those filters <laughs> or, or the UV lights or something, you know, that makes people feel better. But uh, it, uh, I, I do have buildings. We that have operable windows anything to be said is, is the operable window coming back in in smaller buildings i think it will be yes and the uh yeah. you have to be careful you know in the buildings that you and i have worked in downtown in downtown high-rise buildings in cold climates like this it doesn't really work sure. too well because of stack effect and winter time and things like that but um uh for smaller buildings i think we're going to see a, a resurgence of that or a renewed interest. The the challenge is, is when you have big, big floor plates, how do you get the outside air or the fresh air to the interior spaces? But um, it it is uh, very viable for for smaller buildings, both residential and commercial. So, um, in the best way for someone to to get further information. Or you get any studies done, whether it's a, an existing, you know, building owner um, who 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 wants to check their systems or a tenant. Best way to reach out to you folks, go to your website. What's where would someone 
try to you know link up with you guys. Yeah, we they can go to our website or or they can send me an email at argupta at esdglobal.com. And uh, there are different ways to get a get a hold of us. And, and so you mentioned that uh, I think some of your employees started this week. Um, we even discussed that maybe you may not even see you know a full office until Labor Day. So any, anything that you know that you've learned you know over the last you know couple months as we spent more time at home, um, anything that you know a silver lining in in the experience that you've had um, that we can close a loop on. Well, silver linings. You know, it's nice to see that again. We covered it earlier about the distributed workforce. That just how easily it is for many many firms to be able to to have that flexibility to have both a workforce that's on the road somewhere, whether they're at home or you know out of town, uh, but then also have that office. And so we we. Um, so many of our customers have said, we definitely need our office. You know, it's just going to change. And so, you know, we see one thing moving forward is going to be embracing the distributed workforce and with real estate, HR and IT all working together to, to make that work. The other thing is then this renewed interest. I We see it happening with uh, uh, whether it's indoor air quality or just wellness in general. We're, we're getting calls from tenants asking, hey, how can I check to make sure the building's okay? Um, for those who may be contemplating leases in the future, thinking what, what provisions should I ask the landlord for? What should they, what should the landlord provide? What should, what, what should we be prepared to provide? So I think we're going to see things like the well building certification take on more prominence. Um, you know, if, if lead, is is all mostly about energy and conservation. Um, well is about health. And so it provides a scorecard that both tenant and landlord can work off of. And we're going to be start, start start seeing more of that. Um, you had talked about cohesion before. You know, we're very proud of that company that we spun off as a it's a building app. Tr- tenants and landlords both want transparency. And so if, if we can measure these key components of indoor air quality and then measure it and tenants could look on their, their iPhone and see, you know, what is the carbon dioxide level? How much fresh air is being brought in? Um, when's the last time this conference room has been cleaned? I think all of that is, is going to be what's coming next, the next big thing. Um, we're already working on things like that and it, it's exciting. So, so that's where, uh, that's where I, I feel the silver lining is is that there's going to be more emphasis on health and and also uh, flexible working. 